When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In Chicago, two comedian skeptics named Andy and Art were mysteriously abducted by the illusionary mastermind and conspiracy theorist known only as Mr. Mr. Bunker. Bunker. The following serves as a record of Bunker's attempt to convince non-believers of the truth about conspiracies and paranormal activity. Andy and Art give an uninterrupted presentation and verdict on the plausibility of these offbeat topics, delivering what they call the, the whole enchilada. Will Mr. Bunker convince these two skeptics any of this is real? Will it convince you? Welcome to Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time Podcast. As always, I'm your co-host, Art Stone. And with me, as always, is your co-host, Andy Hart. Hi, Bunk Bunkers. <laughs> it's good to be with you. <laughs> uh, what what was that? Was that a Ronald Reagan? Like, what were you doing? Hi, Bunk Bunkers. <laughs> oh, okay, that's a it's little It's good Reagan. to be with you. Were you doing like a Johnny Carson? Is that what you were doing? Uh, I don't know what I was doing, to be honest with you. Well, Andy, I got to say... Uh, There's some weird, wild stuff about to be on this, uh, this weird episode. Weird, wild stuff. hi <laughs> There you go. There's Ed. There's old Ed. Right? Ed? Ed, yeah. Ed, Ed McMahon. Um, you know, Andy... Uh, they call me Ed McMayo. <laughs> they do. And McDonald's did turn you into a sandwich for a little while. Mm-hmm. That was just a bunch of mayo between the McMayo. Yeah, it was it was the Big Mac bun configuration with nothing but mayonnaise. That's right. Uh did not sell well, but not a big seller. You know what Andy, you know what mayonnaise reminds me of? Uh I know what it reminds me of. And what's that? Fish. <laughs> well, fish works that, as well, Andy, because these are all beautiful things that are white color. Yes, they have a very white milky color and today's topic, Andy, are, is a race of alien beings that are tall, milky white creatures called the tall whites. Oh, that's a good descriptive name for them. Um, it, it, you know, uh, bunk funkers. These were brought about through the uh, writings and work of one Charles James Hall, a former U.S. Uh, Air Force serviceman who mm-hmm. uh, allegedly encountered these alien species while they live right here on Earth amongst us. Yeah, living. Out in the Nevada desert. <laughs> Where... uh, well, Charles, uh, his his monotone and matter-of-factness often lends uh, credence, people say, to his being this stuff being truthful. But uh, yeah. you know what's very truthful here, Andy, is that today's topic came to us as a suggestion from my bunk funker. That's true. Um, we were We were tipped off. Uh, so to speak, we were tipped off and ticked off. We were tipped off. We were PO'd. We were freaking peeved. 
Uh, but we got a very nice uh, email, uh, mrbunkerpod at gmail.com. That's right. Um, from a bunk bunker, just like any of us, um, suggesting that we look into this topic um, about Charles Hall and the tall whites. Um, this came to us from a bunk bunker named Dyson. Thank you, Dyson. Dyson, thank you. Um, this uh, Dyson um, said... Uh, you know, that uh, they had just recently uh, come across uh, the documentary on Amazon uh, called Walking with the Tall Whites. Um, so this is this is something that's uh, I forget the release, but it's relatively recent. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so Dyson was inspired to have us look into this. And Dyson, we're so glad that you did. Yes. Because uh, this is this is a fun topic. This is a very fun topic. Uh, it's been a little while. It's been a while. Uh, since we've done a alien species sort mm -hmm. of uh, look, we did Lyrians, Lyrians, um, uh, a little while ago. Yeah, I haven't really dived back into any alien species, yeah. so it's been a while. It's been a while, and um, yeah, I guess that stained our reputation a bit that we haven't uh, been going back into well that and a lot of other stuff. Well, yeah, I mean, but specifically like the fact that it's our reputation's been stained because it's been a while since. Been a while. We went back and talked about a different alien race, uh, alien and, species. Well, here's the thing, Bung Funkers. If you can't wait to get into all this delicious alien action, extraterrestrial UFOs, living amongst us kind of action, uh, hear about these wild, crazy little critters. They're not little. I shouldn't have said little. They, they, they are they're one tall. thing. They are not little. They they're are tall. tall creatures. Um, as always, you can look in the show notes of the uh, and they find the episode description Whatever podcatcher you use, there will be a timestamp right at the top telling you where you can scrub ahead to when the research begins. Because first, Andy and I got to give you a little glimpse into the bunker lore. There's so <laughs> much lore, just like there's lore of the tall whites. Andy and I have lore going on in the uh, the, the bunker verse. Yeah, yeah, uh, we're we like we are embroiled in a uh, heated lawsuit oh. with the titular Mr. Bunker. Oh my god. I mean, as far as backstories and uh like like details about the inner workings go, I mean, we are the big box store yeah. of of that type of stuff. I mean, I mean, we're the big box store of lore. Yeah. Uh we're the Costco of lore, right? Um we're can, the big lots. Yeah, we're the big lots of We are the TJ Maxx uh just uh, fucking clothes strewn everywhere. It doesn't seem to be anybody working in the store. <laughs> Uh, everything is like on clearance. This is all the lore that nobody else wanted to buy. And now you can get it at a very deep discount. Surplus, not well-made clothing, um, uh, lore. But bunk fuckers, we have, I mean, I hesitate to even call it bad news because it's almost no news. Yeah. Um, we unfortunately didn't get very much accomplished, uh, today in court because, um, the, the court was in a recess. Yeah, Judge Dredge Judy. Uh, <laughs> Judge Dredge Judy. Judge Dredge Judy said that she had some business to take care of with her uh, the fish tank in her tummy. Yeah, she was getting her uh, fish flushed, I think. That's right. You're getting your fish flushed Which out. I think for her is just actually a colonic now. <laughs> I don't know how it works. Yeah. This is all exhibits uh, extreme science, but she had to go back and see exhibit. Yeah, that's right. And uh, so she said uh, she's going to put the case on recess. Yeah. Courts in recess. And so uh, everybody, us, Mr. Bunker. We, we were allowed to leave the courtroom, but not allowed to leave the court grounds. Right. There's a parking lot and kind of like a uh, a field with a little gymnasium, a little playground. A, bit, you know, a little merry-go-round. Right. <laughs> right. 
Uh, so we had recess today. I mean, it yeah. was, uh, you know, it, there was a lot of fun to be had. You know, we were playing knockout with yeah. the uh, kangaroo court, the court, the kangaroo in the court. Um, David Crosby was there. He was playing knockout as well. Yeah. Did throw out his, his hip. Yeah. Unfortunately, and got knocked out. Yeah, which is bad because he's still recovering from those gunshot wounds to his knee. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, he's, he's in a bad shape, but right. uh, I mean, I think he'll be okay. Um, I mean, knockout was really fun. We played, uh, um, they had, uh, you know, they had basketball there. Right. Um, I think probably the highlight of the day for everyone was, um, doing like American Ninja warrior on yes. the, the jungle gym, sure. you know, the monkey bars. Yeah. The, we kind of played like lava as well. Yeah, like the, the, floor the, is lava. the, the wood chips were lava right in this scenario. Um, that's always a fun one. Yeah, I mean, uh, the stenographer, unfortunately, was stuck as the court stenographer was was it for a little while there. Yeah. Um, when we were playing live. Which is, which is hard because I admire the stenographer uh, agreeing to play because they still have to record everything that happens at recess. Right, right. So they're walking around with a computer on wheels, uh, typing into, it looks like Karen from SpongeBob. Uh, it looks like Plankton's computer wife. Um <laughs> But the stenographer recorded everything that happened. So, I mean, let it be known that I came in third place in dodgeball. It's true. Andy did come in third third place in dodgeball. Um, Of course, Andy also uh, hid behind all of his other team members while they got knocked. They got hit. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was I was uh, I was teammates uh, with the injured David Crosby. Uh, I was teammates with uh, six of the hung jury. That's right. uh, And. I was also, uh, yeah, I was also teammate with uh, three of Mister Bunker's parrots. <laughs> very good at dodgeball. Yeah, they were. They, they, they fly around. Yeah, yeah, they were very good at it. Um, so our team didn't do so well. No. Um, but you know what? We had fun. You know, we had a big, big like steal the bacon kind of battle. Um, it was very fun. Uh, obviously, you know, in the center, we put a literal slab of bacon, mm-hmm. uh, raw bacon. This is raw, uncooked bacon in the center. And and the, the, the game is just that you line up on either end of the field and, and two people get called out and they have to sprint as hard as they can mm-hmm. from each end of the field till they hit the middle, steal the bacon, and then try and get back to their side before the other player can tag them. Right. Um, obviously, I mean, the kangaroo in the court just fucking cleared house on this one. This yeah. One was... Yeah. It was not even a contest. And Boy. I mean, I got sick from eating all that raw bacon. Oh Jesus. Yeah. You, you unfortunately kept eating the bacon. Yeah. Yeah. And it really was uncooked and dirty because yeah. it had been on the ground right. multiple times. I wasn't the first person to go. No. So <laughs> it had been handled by other people and thrown in the dirt and stuff. <laughs> there was a lot of bugs on yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, you were taking big old chomps. You accidentally bit the ass of one of the hung jury when you had to run at the bacon. Yeah, accidentally. Yeah. <laughs> accidentally. Whoopsie. I'll tell you, that was the firmest thing I sunk my teeth into all day. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, boy. Buns of steel. Yeah. On those guys, huh? Yeah, yeah. I'd like to make a bacon sandwich with those buns. You know what I mean? Um, an ice cream truck came by. Um, we all got some ice cream. Yep. I, of course, got a uh, a fun little popsicle in the shape of Shrek with gumball eyes. Yep. Uh, Vanilla. I got a strawberry shortcake. 
delicious. I only ate the crumb outside and then yeah. threw the rest away. Oh, why would you even bother with the ice cream? Um, you know, we played Red Rover. Oh, Red Rover, Red Rover. Yeah, it was it was really uh it was really a lot of fun uh to be honest and you know, we had we had the natural advantage at Red Rover because we're still wearing all of our you know, D. Snyder, uh, like Road Warrior type of uh, outfit. So right, right, we have a lot right. of padding to like charge into the mm-hmm. line of other people. But I mean, I'm telling you, some of these hung jury, like they're not just good looking. They are well built. That's true. That's true. Genetically, uh, you know, they're blessed and uh, we are not. And no. uh, they were very good at Red Rover. I mean, it was incredible. Yeah. Um, yeah it was I'm, a fun day. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, you know, we went to court. Um Art and I like to make the most of every situation, and we really had a field day today. Uh, we went wild, and uh, you know, afterwards, uh, Judge Judge Dread Judy uh, called us all back into the courthouse, um, and you know, unfortunately, we didn't get any more of the trial done because at that time it was it was quiet time. It was time right. to have a snack. Right. Then we had to lay down on our mats uh, and you try know, to take a nap. So, and then Judge Judge Judy said, okay, everybody line up from, you know, and who's the line leader? Of course, Mr. Bunker's the fucking line leader. Uh, of course. I mean, of course he has to be the line leader. Has to be. Uh, and his last name does start with B, so he was already kind of at the front of the line. Yeah. You know, obviously I'm, I'm in towards the end. I'm I'm not the caboose, but I'm close. I'm right in the middle, right where I like to be. Right, right. And so, uh, you know, we're all lining up to get our milk cartons. And then, of course, you know, they're so fucking hard to open those milk cartons. I mean, yeah. you got to split them in half, twist them back and pull it forward. It's like, yeah, you got to pop it out. It's like, what the fuck? Yeah, no. And, you know, but I do appreciate I do appreciate a nice mozzarella string cheese stick. That's a good snack. It was a very good snack. And of course, David Crosby brought those in. It was his day to bring in snacks. Yeah, it was his his snack day. It was snack his snack day. So uh, he brought in the snacks. You know, normally, I mean, I mean, yesterday it was Mr. Bunker's snack day, right? And so he brought in like just packets of unflavored gelatin. <laughs> and that snack sucked. Yeah, and he's just like, oh yeah, you can mix it in water. <laughs> and it's like, okay, then the water just gets solid, and he's just like. He's got a water bottle and he's just there with this solid bottle of water and he's like he, he just kept like he just kept making like a shrug and like throwing his hands up like they're two little plates like oh, what do you want me to do about it? Yeah, and he's slurping the whole time on this jello water, unflavored unflavored water. gelatin water. And this is this is the bad stuff like this is the stuff made from horse bones. <laughs> It's got horse tallow in it. Yeah, there's still some pieces of horse in there. Yeah, it smells like a barn. It smells like horse. Yeah, it smells like it's very horsey. And we're not talking Arby's either. Oh, boy. Uh, but no, David Crosby brought those. Uh, David Crosby hooking us up with the good snacks. Those awesome fucking mozzarella. And then it was, it was quiet time. It was time for nap time. Yeah, yeah. We all pulled out our carpet squares. And <laughs> uh, as happens every day about that time in court, we pulled out our carpet squares and it's we laid down on the floor. What uh, kind of fucking court has carpet squares? A, uh, all of them. I think it's required by law. Uh, That's in the Constitution. I say get us some actual cots. Okay. That's what I fucking say. Okay. Well, you know, if you want to see your taxes go up, then fine. <laughs> For now, we got carpet squares. <laughs> but we all laid you down. Know, obviously, uh, the whole court is sponsored by Empire Carpet. Yeah, eight hundred eight 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 two three seven Empire today. Um, yeah, and uh, 
you know, obviously the kangaroo, uh, the kangaroo, the court so kangaroo. So restless. Cannot sleep. Oh, my God. I mean, He's I've, tapping his feet, stamping his tail. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, Art's a light sleeper. I fell asleep almost immediately, and nothing can wake me up. In fact, frequently, <laughs> uh, I find myself there asleep after the court's been closed, and the janitors are, like, buffing me because I'm just part of the, They think I'm part of the floor. Oh, my God. You look so shiny. Yeah, yeah. I'm very shiny. I have no hair anymore. It all got buffed <laughs> off. Um so yeah, you do look like uh, what's that guy's name? Wooly Willie. Yeah, Wooly Willie. Wooly Willie. Wooly. Yeah, Willy Wally. Willy. The guy whose Wally. hair you can put on his Wooly Wally. I don't know. Is a magnet? Yeah, I know what you mean though. It's a magnet, and that's what I look like. Uh, so all I need is some metal filings to stick all over my body. Bunk bunkers. Andy nude looks a little bit like the the game board from Operation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have a lot of scars. Um. You know, in all the same places as the operation person. Uh, was that guy did I appear it? on the live version of that show? Maybe. <laughs> I'll never tell. You think the man that they modeled the operation guy after got like royalties and he's appeared nude in front of so many children? Is he a pedophile? He's fucking nude. He's not anatomically correct, though. <laughs> Wait, what? It's I thought that was a doctor's training tool. It's smoothed. <laughs> they smoothed the genitals. I thought he didn't have genitals. I thought his tummy covered his genitals. Oh, well then, yeah, that's maybe that. What operation game were you playing? Holy fuck! What are you talking about? I played it with my uncle. His tummy covered his genitals, but it does really sound a lot like me. I played Operation the way my uncle wanted to play with me, which was a picture of him fully nude, and I would have to perform surgery, take out his bread basket. Find the butterflies in his tummy. He made a... <laughs> the bones in his arms. I don't remember the funny <laughs> names they gave that. The funny bone. This funny bone. Uh, the, yeah, no, my uncle made a life-size replica of himself, a dummy, and then, you know, made me dissect it. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I wouldn't... I don't know about that guy. I would like to know more about the operation model. Uh yeah, I mean his Adam's apple. Oh yeah, the Adam's broken apple. heart. Yeah, spare ribs. Yeah, uh, wrenched ankle. You know, I mean honestly, this guy was fucked up. Well, he had a lot of problems. But you notice that the cure is just taking those parts of his body away. Like, <laughs> yeah. So now he doesn't have an ankle. He doesn't have bones in one arm. He doesn't have an Adam's apple anymore. He doesn't have his ankle bone connected to the knee bone, which is just a rubber band. Yeah, I know. This guy was fucked up. This is a real. Sad. This guy had some really bad health concerns. Sad excuse for a human being. This is not, he had a Charlie horse? This is not teaching kids. Yeah. You should not be getting surgery to take care of a Charlie horse. No, yeah. If you need surgery for that, and there's an actual horse inside your body, like, you should be, I mean, this is probably, this is some Mr. Bunker stuff to have a whole horse inside of your body, a tiny horse. <laughs> oh, good Lord. But uh, yeah, we just, we kind of had nap time, and then by the time everybody kind of woke up. Plus, his, they had they cut huge holes in his body to remove this stuff, and then if your tool touches his skin, you get electrocuted. What kind of skin does this guy have? This guy has a layer of magnetic skin, like underneath his epidermis, yeah. his yeah. epidermal layer. He also yeah. has a nose that lights up. Yeah, so I think this is some sort of cyborg. This is some kind of cyborg Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer hybrid creature. Uh, this is a very fucked up man. Yeah. If it can even be called a man at this point. He's more machine than man. Fucking Mattel, you've got some explaining to do, buddy. And we're going to take you to task, Mattel.
for what you've done. You created this abomination. As some hybrid that you created in your sick lab. And then you just ship it off for all of us to dissect for our pleasure. And it's fun. We admit it. We love dissecting oh, God, that poor so being fun. over and over again. But it's not right. It's not. It is not right. Um, so I got a good nap anyway. Oh, my God. Yeah, I, I unfortunately didn't sleep very well. My fucking kangaroo. He should not be allowed in nap time. But, hey, good news. Me getting buffed all the time by the janitor at the court. I finally got all my D. Snyder makeup off. That's true. You did. Yeah, because my skin was far, starting to fall off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you were looking very flaky. Yeah, I shouldn't have used permanent makeup. Should have yeah. used real makeup. Permanent makeup, of, of course, yeah. yeah. Rookie mistake. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, overall... I mean, it's kind of a kind of a wash today. Yeah, court. a little bit. We, uh, you know, after nap time, it was like nobody really felt like getting back into court work. Yeah, you know, Judge Dread Judy had uh, dinner plans. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, by that time, also, I think maybe the kangaroo had uh, scratched off the number line that was on my desk. Um, you know, uh, you have a semi permanent number line taped to your desk. Yeah, we all had that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody. Okay. We all had that. And maybe some of us struggled to tell time using an analog clock, but that's okay. We eventually learned. Some of us struggled to tell time with a digital clock. <laughs> I know. My I'm always making my clock spell out boobs. Yeah. Yeah. It's always eighty oh eight in my house. It's always boobs o'clock in my house, baby. Let's <laughs> <This> party. <laughs> Boob o'clock. <laughs> I'm surprised that wasn't one of the things in operation you had to fix. Boob a clock. There's a clock in the. They right should the- definitely make an adult operation game where you have to like get drunk and uh, perform surgery on a uh, actual man with actual genitals. Yeah. Yeah, and if you so don't he do- would have like a horse's cock. Yeah, and if you don't if you don't do it right, they tase you. Yeah, they fucking tase you. <laughs> <laughs> He would have a horse's cock. He would. What else would he have? You have to. You have to remove it. You have to remove it. Yeah, that's the whole thing. What else would he have? The adult version. Yeah. Uh, horse's cock. Uh, he'd probably have. Uh, um, a glory hole. You have to fix that. Uh. Um, I guess the rest is the same. Yeah. <laughs> writer's cramp. He has a writer's cramp. Apparently, in the real version, that's so fucking stupid. It's right. His wrist. He's gonna have. He had to have an operation to get rid of a cramp. This guy's a fucking Charlie writer? Horse and a cramp. <laughs> yeah, he's a writer. No wonder he had to sign up for all these weird medical experiments. <laughs> he had to do what he had to do to make ends meet. That's another problem. He's got to sort out. He's got. His ends meet. <laughs> oh man! Well, that was court today. It was a. Uh, it was definitely an adventure. Not yeah. really. We just kind no. of took a nap, but we had fun. We did have a lot of fun, bunk funkers. I mean, yeah. recess is fun. Court's fun. Yeah, go to court. Go to court. Sue somebody. Get involved it's in lawsuits. Yeah, get sued or sue because it's fun. It is fun and a bun. Um, and there's free bacon. And there's free bacon raw. Um, but you know, bunk bunkers, uh, we have one more segment that we gotta, 
We got to get to. Oh, yeah, we got to get to this. This is important. This is a bunker alarm. Yes, today we are ringing the bunker alarm for a very special bunk bunker, a bunk bunker who sent us a very nice email yes. uh, to suggest an episode topic. Um, and while we have yet to do that episode, uh, we are going to do it in just a couple of minutes <laughs> <laughs> because... Yeah, bunk bunker is the very same bunk bunker we already told you about. We are ringing the bunker alarm today for Dyson. Dyson, Dyson, uh, I'm gonna get in the ring with Dyson. Um, I'm gonna Dyson, vacuum you up, Dyson. Dyson, we're gonna ring today. We're gonna set up the bunk tech bunker alarm 3000 to ring for you. Very special bunker alarm uh, to show our gratitude mm -hmm. uh, for your support and for this mm -hmm. great episode suggestion. So, oh, yes. uh, give me just a moment um, to program it. Um, let's see, I have the. Uh, sounds of the bunk tech bunker alarm turned up sufficiently, so. Oh, yeah. Here he goes. He's looking. Wow. wow. Well, it sounds like a Dyson vacuum. Yeah, it sucks. Uh, okay. I think we got it. Here we go. Um, all right, Dyson, this bunker alarm is for you. Uh, now, the Bunk Tech Bunker Alarm 3000 is a very sophisticated piece of equipment. Uh, I could press a button and it would play a perfectly synced alarm, no problem. But Art and I are purists. We like to count down so oh. that you have an idea when the alarm's going to start going. So pure. You know, just so you don't think that something's on fire or there's a tornado or whatever. So uh, in three, two, one. Wow, Dyson, wow. this bunk's for you. Felt very Mr. Krabs like. <laughs> Did it? A little bit. Oh, okay. I don't know. Maybe not. Okay. Let Mr. us know Krabs. what you think. The Mr. Krabs alarm. That's what we'll call that one unofficially. Uh, Dyson, thanks so much for this great episode suggestion. And thank you for being a bunk bunker. That's right. Thank you, Dyson. And uh, bunk bunkers, you know, obviously you can always get your own bunker alarm. You just really have to write in and ask. But if yeah. you send in an episode topic, a suggestion or something else... Well, uh, you might find yourself as the recipient of a bunker alarm. <laughs> but uh, without further ado, we need to get to the Mojave Desert to uh, learn a little bit about these aliens called the Tall Whites. Whites. Um, so, I mean, bunk bunkers, this is a really fun topic. We think you're going to enjoy this one. Let's get into it. This is the Tall Whites and uh, Charles Hall. We'll figure out the title later. <laughs> title will be changed in post uh, here on Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time podcast. Um, <clears throat> enjoy the podcast. Hey, how's the weather up there? Do you play basketball? Is it, you know, proportional to your height? Punk fuckers, these are all examples of things that tall people here on Earth have to deal with on a daily basis. It isn't right, it isn't fair, and they deserve better. What are you doing with that strange box? 
Is that an alien spacecraft? <laughs> is it, you know, proportional to your height? Funk Funkers, these are all examples of things that our topic today, the tall whites, may or may not have to deal with on a daily basis. It isn't right. It isn't fair. And they deserve better. And that's because the tall whites are a race of really tall, thin, pure white aliens who might possibly reside here on Earth. And boy, oh boy, do they get into some shenanigans. Oh, speaking of shenanigans, one of the main reasons we know about this secret race of alien beings residing right here on Earth is thanks to a former U.S. Air Force serviceman, James Charles Hall. And boy, oh boy, do they get into some wacky encounters together. <laughs> no, <laughs> and we're going to give you the whole enchilada on these old white string beans, don't you worry. But before we jump into the tall whites as an alien species and detail some of Hall's interactions with them, let's talk about James Charles Hall, Charles James Hall himself. Hall first detailed his experiences with the tall whites in his six-part book series titled Millennial Hospitality. Oh, uh, I think I looked this up in Urban Dictionary once. That's where you're eating ass and you offer to take their code and ask if they want something to drink. Yeah, well, that's a lot better than the previous sex move that you made up, the Sarah McLaughlin. That's where you're holding holding a gun to their head while whispering, I will remember you. Mm-hmm, yeah. Sarah McLaughlin. Sarah McLaughlin. Yeah, McLaughlin. I will remember you. I got... The emphasis is really important. Uh, I've I've written a lot of definitions for Urban Dictionary. Yeah. Sex moves. Yeah. Anywho, Hall also detailed some experiences in the documentary Walking with the Tall Whites, which is on Amazon if you want to watch it. Now, but James Charles, Charles James Hall. I don't know why I keep switching. I don't know either. Uh, Charles (laughs) James Hall was stationed at Nellis Air Force Base in Nevada from 1964 to 1965 as a sort of like... meteorologist he would be stationed at various weather stations out in the mojave desert and have to report and catalog various wind and weather patterns for military aircraft tests and if fall at new vegas tells us anything hall likely had to fight off rad scorpions and raiders while he was there (laughs) art that's cute how you ignore your depressing reality and pretend to live in your fantastical video game worlds (laughs) that's so funny i'm the courier anyway Hall claims his real purpose was to work as a liaison between the U.S. government and a small colony of aliens known as the Tall Whites, who were given a section of land by the U.S. government called Area 54 in the Mojave Desert. And if there's one thing we know about the U.S. government, it's that when they give you a deal on a piece of land, it'll stand the test of time. Oh. oh. <laughs> mm, wait. Oh, no. That's not right. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Uh, well, when Hall, what Hall believes uh, he was sort of, he was sort of a get to know humans training dummy. Uh, Hall thinks that he was a sort of get to know humans training dummy for the alien species. <laughs> they should have signed us up for the task. Yeah, <laughs> could have shown these little alien fellers how a couple of real chads rock and roll, oh, baby. You know it. <laughs> Come here, little alien feller. Let me show you how to break into churches and replace all the crucifixes with hand drawn pictures of Danny DeVita. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. That's how we fucking rock and roll. Aliens. Give me an amen. <laughs> now, Hall published the first volume of his Millennial Hospitality series 20 years after being discharged from the military, and he first presented the book as fiction, supposedly to protect the other people's identities who were involved in the stories. Hall was bashful <laughs> about publishing his book at first, but his wife, after reading about these encounters, encouraged him to go public. Oh. 
And later, whether due to having no recognition at all or popularity, it could go honestly either way here. <laughs> yeah. Hall started to say the books were a fictionalized take on a true story, which I guess is like saying it's not true, but really it is. Yeah. So Hall started his military career with a tour of Vietnam. Then according to him, he scored the highest ever recorded score on the math portion of the U.S. Air Force placement test. He says he only got one question wrong out of 500. A lot of damn questions. That's Jeez, a lot of math please. questions. So after absolutely Sarah McLaughlining the placement <laughs> test, he was stationed he at Nellis Air Force Base in the Mojave Desert, which is near the western U.S., if you're not familiar. The young recruit Charles Hall attended a party at the Air Force Base one evening. One of the commanding officers stationed there, a major, had a gregarious and fun-loving wife who attended these parties with him. She enjoyed going up to all the soldiers and asking them for a dance. And maybe to go back to her place for, oh. for a good Sarah McLaughlin. Oh, man. Uh, well. I will remember you. <laughs> well, this particular evening, she approached Charles and asked him for a dance. And he said, no, you're too old. <laughs> and the major's wife stormed off. Good God almighty. Good God almighty. I killed her. God is my witness. She is broken in half. <laughs> Little Jim Ross. My God. My God. She had a, she had a husband. <laughs> the next day, Charles was called into the major's office, expecting to get his ass chewed out, or millennia hospitality, rather, for his insubordination. But instead, the major thanked him for not dancing with his eternally intoxicated wife. Charles was the only man to turn her down for a dance. Therefore, Charles was a man who could be trusted. Charles proved his worth again later on by guiding six F-105 fighters through a blind landing on a training mission using nothing more than his extensive knowledge of the wind. <laughs> Which, I mean, I think Charles Hall <laughs> was a character in Pocahontas, right? <laughs> Charles is definitely starting to sound like a sageful anthropomorphic tree from a yeah. Disney movie. That's right. <laughs> we can... <laughs> We can fly with all the colors of the mountains. <laughs> we can land with all the knowledge of the wind. <laughs> Tell me, does the wolf cry when the moon full moon? And can you hear the quiet spirits grin? <laughs> I can paint with all the colors of the rainbow, okay? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god charles hall anyway charles reward for his non-cucking his bossness and wind expertise yeah well he was assigned slash allowed to do the weather readings at the various weather shacks out on the ranges in the desert around this time hall started Ooh, la, la. To, yeah you score almost a perfect score on the air force Ooh, baby math placement test what do you get to do weather boy we got to put this guy out as far away from everybody else as possible where he's by himself doing minimally important work <laughs> Around this time, Hall started to hear stories about a horse that haunted the desert where the weather stations were located called Range 4 Harry. The story went that back in 1954, Range 4 Harry was a horse that had gotten too close to an atomic bomb test blast, but not close enough that the horse died. Just close enough to be badly burned. Yeah. <laughs> and so now, on warm summer nights, this beaming beast of burden prowls the desert 
near range four and just sorts of glows creepily and maybe does other stuff to people, but mostly just glows. I'll never be your atomic beast of burden. (laughs) (laughs) And I just want to clarify something here because I was also, well, maybe this is just me, but I was also slightly confused about some stuff here. And I just want to clear it up. So range, I thought range four was like F-O-R. It's not, it's the number four, range four. Range number mm-hmm. four. Right. Range four is a location. There are four ranges. Like these are like big areas of empty land where the military could test bombs and fly planes and shit and do whatever they want. It's a there's, big range. There's lots of these in the desert bunk bunkers, yeah. like out west, where it's just like they like literally test bombs and stuff. Like yeah. they'll drop bombs from airplanes yeah. and things Unused like that. Unused desert land. It's just miles and miles of empty desert. Mm-hmm. So there's range number one, range number two, number three, and this is number four. This is where you can find. Range four Harry. Um, I just want to clear that up. Anyway, back to range four Harry, who was a ghost, but also actually not really a ghost. Oh. Because according to legend, anyone who got near range four Harry got badly burned or attacked. And even then, some who got close and lived to tell the tale said that range four Harry wasn't even a real horse, but was actually a tall human. Uh, was it was it was tall with a human like face and big blue eyes. Oh, now we're getting some. Oh, baby. But, I mean, Art, what gives? Nah, I don't know. Charles Hall's story is fiction, but it's fact. Range 4 Harry is a horse, but it's not. I'm getting mixed signals here. The only thing I like mixed are my salads. Andy, I'm not falling for your toss my salad ruse again. Calm down and sit on your toilet. But apparently, my, <laughs> I'm not wearing pants already. <laughs> Just go with I'm it. I'm not tossing your salad. Anyway, Fraser would. Apparently, you definitely smell like scrambled eggs. <laughs> what is it? A lot of sulfur. Toss salads. Scrambled eggs. And scrambled eggs, yeah. Apparently, the men stationed at Nellis believed in Range for Harry so fervently that many of them refused to carry out their duties alone. So this, this horse, or not, this thing, this thing had them freaked out. Well, let's tell some Range 4 Harry stories and see why they were so scared of this big, bad, radioactive not horse. <laughs> Another soldier named Dwight uh, said he saw Range 4 Harry and it gave off a fluorescent light that, while soft, would still hurt your eyes. <laughs> uh, All right. Yeah, okay. Because it's kind of scary. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess if you looked at it long enough, it would be like kind of unnerving. <laughs> Maybe. All right. A little bit. Uh, anyway. Another airman named Rigby also saw... <laughs> These are all characters from TV shows, aren't they? Yeah. Dwight, Next will be Rigby. Mordecai. Yeah. Uh, another airman named Rigby also saw Range 4 Harry and afterward refused to go out into the desert alone and unarmed. Okay. Uh, sure. Seems more like a personal preference than anything Range 4 Harry did. Okay. Uh, okay. Well, what, well, what about this? Another soldier named Jackson was one of the first to see Range 4 Harry and noticed that it wasn't a horse, but a humanoid. Okay. That's something. Okay. Now, according to Jackson, Range 4 Harry looked like a human with chalk white hair and was thin with blue eyes. But he said that Range 4 Harry looked at him the same way a horse looks at a human. You know how horses always be giving us humans those looks? You know that horse look? Dude, horses only want one thing and it's disgusting. Yeah. Apples. Yuck. Also sex. Anywho. Jackson actually got close enough to speak to Range 4 Harry, and when he introduced himself and stated his rank and stuff, the horse, who isn't actually a horse, but is actually a tall white, I mean, spoiler alert, I guess, um, said, quote, you may call me Range 4 Harry, end quote. So I guess that's how he got the name Range 4 Harry. 
<laughs> Another airman named Zimmerman didn't have as cordial of an interaction with old Range 4 Harry. Charles Hall ho- heard that Range 4 Harry burned Zimmerman badly, so he checked Zimmerman's medical records, and Hall says he saw pictures of bone-deep burns similar to those caused by radiation exposure, and with those pictures were Zimmerman's statements that he had been burned by a radioactive horse. Well, I've been through the desert on a radioactive horse. It felt good to be out of the rain. In the desert, you can say your name, because otherwise Range for Harry is there to give you some pain. La, 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 la. But Charles didn't give a rat's ass about this radioactive <laughs> horse and or weird humanoid and or tall white I alien. mean, one thing, one thing you're going to learn about Charles Hall is that he is a man with no fucks to give. He goes hard 100% of the time. Yeah. As yeah. you'll see, it's yeah. going to be very clear. He's hard and he rushes in, guns a-blazing, <laughs> dick swinging. He does it all. This is the Charles Hall is, fucking story. He is here to to chew ass and eat bubble gum, and he is all, all out, out of, of bubble, bubble gum. gum. So he's going to chew ass. <laughs> Charles Hall. Okay, and let's be honest. None of those stories were especially scary. <laughs> They're just kind of stories. I mean, sure, maybe getting burned radioactively is kind of scary. Yeah, that's bad. Yeah. But otherwise, you'd just be kind of like, it's weird. Yeah, that's weird. What what actually happened, though? So Charles Hall had no problem taking over his duty as a weather reporter. So Hall was in charge of setting off weather balloons at various stations and ranges and recording the patterns, numbers, etc., what have you. Hall discovered that out in the desert, there were over 1,000 weather balloons from the previous seven years, unused and still in their original packaging. (laughs) The previous men sent... Mint condition weather balloons. Mint. Chef's kiss. These I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Charles Hall should have sold these because these would have gone for, I mean, so much above market value because yeah. they were such mint condition. The previous men sent out to do this job were too afraid. They drove out there, threw the balloons on the ground, and drove off. These guys have the same work ethic as me. This is exactly every job I've ever done. And you don't have a radioactive horse. No, no, I don't have an butt. excuse other yeah. than being just pure laziness. Hall's training supervisor told him that no one ever actually did the job. They just made up the data because they were all too afraid to go out to Range 4 and encounter Range 4 Harry. Mm -hmm. I think Charles Hall's exact quote was, just tell the government the number four. They love the number four. So if they say, hey, what's the wind speed? Four. (laughs) Four whatever. Knots. I don't know what you measure wind in. Miles per hour? Yeah, probably knots. But Hall insisted on doing the job the right way. So he actually went to the stations at Range 4. And that's when he first encountered the tall whites. But what just the frick are these tall whites, huh, Andy? Well, for once, we're not talking about BYU's basketball team. Oh, we're not? No, for once, we're not. Oh, wow. I mean, so put all your Jimmer Fredette notes away because we're not talking about BYU basketball greats. (laughs) Chicago Bulls own Jimmer Fredette. (laughs) He he was on the team for a hot minute. Yeah, he was there. Uh, We are talking about a race of alien beings. Uh, Their skin isn't white like we are white. They are, like, actually white, like literally white, like living room walls white or or snow white. Well, I mean, snow white was was white, but but not like snow white, like like chalk white. (laughs) Yeah, chalk. Not white like snow white was white, but like white like snow is white. Yeah. Think of chalk. Chalk. And what what exactly are they doing here on Earth? Well... (laughs) They use our planet as kind of like a rest stop 
Uh, and honestly, it makes sense. We would be the intergalactic rest stop. We would. A place to come and take a shit, maybe have, uh, you pay for sex. Stretch your legs. Stretch your legs. Go uh, to a broken vending machine and kick it. Yeah, uh, get beef jerky. Um, the home, their home world, the Tall White's home world, is warmer than ours, and that's why they live in the Mojave Desert here on Earth. However, the Tall Whites entered an agreement with the U.S. government who gave them the land in the Mojave Desert. The Tall Whites only enter into arrangements that benefit themselves. Very shrewd. For example, <laughs> they wouldn't share their spacecraft engine technology with us, but they would share designs for other tech. Uh, this was because the Tall Whites use our planet as a sort of garage or pit stop where they could refuel and repair their spaceships. So they needed us to have some parts of their tech explained and built so we could craft it for them if they needed repairs. That's a smart deal. One time, Charles Hall saw one of the damaged tall white spacecraft as it came in. To him, it was obvious that it had some kind of damage, likely meteor damage, and would obviously need high-grade titanium to be fixed. Obviously. Uh, naturally. Yep. You know, you look at it, you go, yep. That there, that the, that there needs some classic high-grade titanium is all. Fix her up good as new. <laughs> Hall looked through the windows of the ship and saw the interior, which had corridors like a cruise ship, and the walls inside were damaged. And so was the buffet. <laughs> so they needed aluminum, titanium, and fiber optics cables. See, the genius of the Tall White's deal with the U.S. is that the people fabricating these materials didn't need to know it was for an alien spacecraft. You dig? But the aliens get their parts, and the U.S. gets to learn how to make high-grade titanium and other dope stuff. These repairs took more than six months. So now you understand why the Tall Whites were just hanging around here on Earth in their Area 54. Now, the Tall Whites aren't like your typical gray aliens who will uh, come up a little bit later. They are totally uninterested in abductions and anal probes. Mm, too bad. Shame about one of those things. Yeah, unfortunate. <laughs> but let's learn some facts about the Tall Whites that we learned over the years from our friend Charles Hall. Now, the Tall Whites, their brains work seven times faster than ours. These are incredibly smart aliens. It's probably why they're able to pull a fast one over us, make such good deals. They yeah. benefit themselves. Yeah. They average between six and seven feet in height and upwards of nine feet. The tall whites go through three stages of development in their life cycle. The young tall whites are the most reactionary and will snap at ya. Ooh, they're so feisty. <laughs> they're usually around three feet tall. Then they have a midlife six to seven foot period where they may travel back to their home planet which has less gravity than ours. That's so they can then grow to that six foot, seven foot kind of, uh, kind of height. Then they eventually grow to nine feet tall, in which case the young tall whites actually uh, will be used to help support these late stage tall whites. Otherwise they start to droop. Yeah. Just like people. <laughs> like So people. like us. <laughs> tall whites live for about 800 years and halfway through their life, they hit a growth spurt that never stops until they die from organ failure. <laughs> That's the only cause of death. They literally just start growing until they die. Yeah, okay. They have beautiful, wispy, long white hair that is much thinner than human hair. And they have large blue eyes that sit on the sides of their heads. Mm. However, they are still humanoid looking and can actually pass as human. And tall whites frequently dress up as humans and hit the Vegas strip. Oh, we kid you not. They love Las Vegas. They love gambling. Oh, man. You know, uh, let's see. Tall, blue eyes, thin, wispy hair. Loves loves Vegas. Frank Sinatra was a tall white. 
<laughs> it might be true, Andy. Old Blue Eyes himself. Maybe he didn't mm -hmm. ever die. Maybe he went back to his back home to his planet, home planet yeah. to grow to six, seven feet, nine feet tall before he died of organ failure. Yeah, yeah, probably so. Um, the tall whites have mechanical boxes on their clothes that they use to translate English into their language and vice versa. They are not psychic, but they can transmit transmit images into other people's minds. And the tall whites speak on a frequency that we are unable to hear. But there are a few sounds they make in their language, which we can actually hear. And they differ between like uh, Charles Hall always describes them as the beautiful singing of a morning lark, which is a bird and the short stabs of a barking dog. Yeah. So you've got uh, you've got a real spectrum here of sounds yeah, that we can contrast. actually hear. But most we can't. They have excellent hearing on par with a dog. And they also run hella fast, reaching speeds of up to 35 miles per hour. Can you believe that? Who? Usain Bolt, the fastest human, can get up to like 20 something, right? Yeah. Yeah, these 28. These aliens are tearing up the salt flats out there. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> oh, that's right. You better not uh you better not let uh, old, I don't want to uh, catch myself on a quarter mile with them. Who baby? Old Chuck Yeager better not be <laughs> out there. He's gonna race oh, some Chuck tall whites. Chuck Yeager, you'll get him. Oh yeah. <laughs> but don't bring up animals around the tall whites because okay. the tall whites won't get it. According to them, allowing other animals to exist on our planet with us doesn't make any logical sense to them. They said that they interacted, that we, as in humans, interacted with other animals on our planet much more than other species. In their view, a species becomes intelligent. Like, they've been all over the galaxy, and they see species like us become intelligent. Mm -hmm. And then when we do, we kill off all the other creatures, which could be later become a threat. It's like, <laughs> uh, we're, we're getting to it, tall whites, okay? Yeah. Like, just because we didn't do it instantly doesn't mean we're not doing it. We're taking care of the rhinos, all right? Right. Huge threat. Huge threat. Uh, tigers, we got them. Got them on the ropes, that's for sure. Polar bears, pff, who cares? Yeah, yeah, shit. Where are they going to live in a yeah. few years? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, now, some tall whites can be very aloof and skittish and actually won't hesitate to use force to get away if they feel threatened or in danger. And they can be dangerous because they have lasers that can shoot you. And they have other instruments that will freeze you in place. Yeesh. I know. Scary. For example, they have a small pencil-thin instrument that interacts with ions in our bodies and can freeze us or stun us through the use of microwaves. Ooh. Uh, the tall whites are very fragile, and they're wary of us because humans can be a bit brutish. I know I can. According to Charles Hall, you need to be careful around the tall whites and declare each and every movement you make in front of them. Art and I will now demonstrate proper etiquette when interacting with a tall white. <clears throat> Whoa, whoa, hey, what are you doing there? I'm just standing up here, tall white. Whoa, 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 hey, whoa, 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 what are you doing there? What are you doing? Just moving my arms, unzipping my pants here. Okay, taking off my underwear. All right, now I'm furiously masturbating. <laughs> and you get the picture. <laughs> you see... The tall whites are much weaker than us, but they are much quicker than us and have lightning quick reflexes. But as we said, some of the tall whites are friendly, but they can also be really arrogant. When other people in the military first encountered the tall whites, they freaked out and screamed, Aliens! Oh my God! Aliens! And this would have freaked out the tall whites who probably attacked the humans out of fear. This is exactly why Charles Hall was chosen for this mission. Charles Hall is a very matter-of-fact, no-nonsense, monotone man. Uh, if he was a superhero, he'd be monotone man. 
Uh, he was perfectly boring enough to extensively interact with these aliens. I mean, he's the most Midwestern guy you'll ever meet. He's he's just so unoffensive. Yeah, like completely. He, I mean, like we make a lot of jokes about me being like mayonnaise. Like he literally is like he's like mayonnaise, but like not tangy at all. No, no lemon juice in that mayonnaise. Um, so here's some more tall white facts. Many tall whites have families. Uh, one which we'll mention later called The Teacher had a daughter named The Butterfly, a name which amused her because they did not have butterflies on their planet. Now, speaking of their planet, we don't know where their home planet is, but Hall estimates it is 105 light years away in the Southern Hemisphere star. The Tall Whites also had the best tech. And their starships were the most impressive and came from further away than the Greys or other alien species. Here's an excerpt from one of Hall's books, on discussing the tall white home planet. Quote, A ripple of emotion passed through the crowd as I mentioned the star Arcturus, some 36 light years away. After a short pause, the older lady asked with some surprise, Teacher, does Charlie know where we come from? End quote. Tall white crafts enter on a full moon when the sun, the earth, and the moon are lined up, and they enter our gravity in line with the, gra the earth's rotation. Let earth's gravity kind of pull them in. As the planet rotates away from the ship. So it's a smart way to do it. Because otherwise you would get stuck and you'd have to keep yeah. spending fuel as the Earth is rotating in the up or the other way. And yeah, yeah, you'd you'd be all fucked up. Um Charles Hall says he heard Earth military generals talking with tall white generals about the existence of other Earth-like planets out in the galaxy where there was no intelligent life yet, and that the tall whites had wanted to put bases on these planets, but couldn't because these Earth-like planets were colder than the actual Earth by a bit. And the Tall Whites didn't like that because they only like hot planets. Oh, yeah, they like it hot. That's oh, why they, they like, like Vegas. It. They love it hot. So the Tall Whites were going to give these planets to us humans in exchange for the humans building a base for the Tall Whites to put their spacecraft so they could refuel and repair and probably hang out in a sauna. Yeah, for sure. The generals were like, hell yeah, dude, fuck yeah, let's fucking do it. But they wanted their own starships and like space propulsion systems to go out to these planets so they could start fucking colonizing them because you know we would. Oh, we would. But the tall whites were crafty. Oh, no, they were like, no, 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 no. <laughs> we'll be keeping the intergalactic travel, thank you very much, Earth, essentially making us humans reliant on them and their systems to go out to these new planets. Very sneaky, very mm -hmm. smart. It's good business. Yep. Uh, we told you, Bunk Funkers, they only make deals that benefit themselves. We'll take you out to the planets. You build the bases for us. Yeah. And then we'll use them as pit stops. You can have the planet. We don't give a shit. Yeah, yeah. Smart. smart. Uh, all right, Bunk Funkers. We know a little bit about Charles Hall. We know a bit about the Tall Whites. Time to tell you all some of his stories of his encounters with these strange alien visitors. Charles may have been up to the task of doing weather reports, but after his first encounter with the Tall Whites, he soon realized his true purpose for being out in the desert. The story goes like this. Charles Hall learned from a fellow soldier that his weather reports weren't even being used, and they would be thrown out as soon as they came in. So, naturally, he was kind of like, what the fuck, dude? Uh, except Charles probably wouldn't, wouldn't say something wouldn't say it like that. He'd probably no. say something like, oh, I just thought that was odd. <clears throat> you know? But one day, he was out doing his weather duties, important or not, when he spotted a small white creature hiding behind some purple sage off a ways, uh, away up a valley near a trail, and the creature seemed to be peeking out at him. 
So Charles called to the creature, asking if it needed any help, because Charles, at the time, thought this might have been a lost little girl. Well, after he called out to her, it ran off, and so Charles pursued the girl. Charles recalls hearing the sounds of the meadowlark coming closer and closer down the valley he was in as he called out to the white creature slash girl. Then he heard a loud, shrill shriek, and the creature stopped. Hall eventually cornered the creature and saw before him a three-foot-tall, pure, chalky, white little girl. She was much thinner than an average little girl and had eyes molded into the side of her head. And her hands only had four fingers, which were also short, sharp claws. Charles realized something weird was up with this little girl and that she clearly was not human. So he just sort of said, All right, well, if you're lost or need water or whatever, I'm the weatherman over there and I can help you. And then he turned his back to her, partially to curb his own fear, and went back down the trail. Charles hightailed it back to his weather shack, uh, the weather shack, baby. But uh, however, he he felt as if he was being followed. And when he turned around, he saw another tall white creature. This one was around six feet tall, running towards him. I mean, that's a scary sight. Yeah. This thing can run fast. You see in a big white blur. Yeah, imagine kinda, you see a cheetah running at you. You're going to be scared. So, uh, Charles just kind of sat in his weather station for about 30 minutes trying to shake the eerie feeling of being watched by something, whether whatever the tall white creature running after him was, and then he just sort of drove back to the base. Charles tried to calm himself, saying that this was probably just some undiscovered species of seagull out in the desert. Yep. But before Charles got back to the base, he said he felt the creature's presence thanking him for finding the child which freaked him out so much he had to pull over and vomit. <laughs> yeah. You we've, know. All, we've all been there. We've all been there. We've all been thanked for something we did and just had to vomit immediately yeah, because immediately. it freaked us out. Projectile. So when he got back to the base, the base cook, Smokey, had a thermos of coffee, eggs, toast, and bacon waiting for him on the order of the base general, who was, who was somehow aware of what had just transpired between Charles and these creatures. Smokey... The cook also told Charles, again, a message from the general. As you know, the military, famous for famous, allowing... Famous the, chain of command. Yes. Everything goes through the cook. Yeah. <laughs> that is the commanding officer on a base is a cook. Well, I can only imagine if you're the cook and your name is Smokey, you're just constantly smoking cigarettes while you're cooking. So all the food probably has like ash in it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so Smokey told Charles a message from the general that because of Charles's calmness, kindness, that he... Not need not be afraid of any white creatures out on the range ever again. And after this first encounter with the tall whites, Charles started encountering more of this alien species. One day out on range three, Charles was at his weather station reporting back to the base, the weather patterns. And I just want to make a note here. I guess at this point, Charles is aware that maybe his work is completely unnecessary, but that he's still doing it anyway, right? Like he knows. Yeah. He's been told that nobody's reading what you're doing. Yeah, and that like he or maybe or maybe he doesn't have an idea yet that he's out there to actually interact with the aliens, but he's he's interacted with them. Right. So anyway, he hears over the comms what sounded like static but felt as if someone was listening in on him. So he hung up and looked out the window uh the weather station window. He saw another tall white female in a tight nylon ski suit with boots that looked like it was intently listening on the conversation with the Nellis base. Hall recalls the sunlight reflecting off her suit 
and it was so bright it hurt his eyes. But a few seconds later, the tall white realized that Hall was staring at her, so she took off running. Honestly, it is not hard to empathize with Charles here. Plenty of women find us staring at them and then take off running. True, very true. Happened a lot. Anyway, Hall got up and went to look out another window to catch a better glimpse at her, but then he saw Range 4 Harry himself stand up from behind a sagebrush, and as Hall puts it, he wanted me to know he was there and that she wasn't alone. So Hall, in order to defuse the situation, which he felt was getting tense, you know, like Range 4 Harry was sizing him up, just kind of stayed still until the lady left and Range 4 Harry communicated with body language that both he and Charles didn't know what the lady wanted. So Charles, so Charles went back <laughs> into his weather station and read a book. Wow. <laughs> what a high octane alien encounter. I mean, which book was it? <laughs> oh, the suspense is killing me. I just had an encounter with two alien creatures. So I just decided, ah, I'm going to get some light reading. I'm going to read a book. <laughs> but this was the beginning of a beautiful friendship with range for Harry. One night, a few days after their... <laughs> I like how it ends too, where they're just like, they just shrug both at each other. Yeah. And then he's like, I guess I'll go read a book. <laughs> Range Warrior communicated with body language that said they both didn't know what that other tall white wo- women, am I right? Uh, <laughs> it doesn't matter what species. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so one night, a few days after their this this encounter, Hall was asleep in his bunk when he heard a noise at the bunk entrance that sounded like one of the generals. You know, generals have a very distinct sound. <laughs> so Hall immediately shot up in alertness because you know how you know how the general is a much higher rank than him. Uh, but what yeah, he's general saw, insurance. Yeah, yeah. Call I can't remember what he says. Yeah. But uh, what he, what Charles Hall saw was not only the general and some other high-ranking officers, but also old range for Harry peeking in, looking at him. Hall said he felt a wave of fear wash over him, and the best thing he could do was just sit there because, hey, if Range 4 Harry wanted him dead, he could have him dead already. And those are Charles's words, not us, uh, not us like defending Range 4 Harry's abilities or whatever. Like, yeah, yeah we don't, for as far as we know, Range 4 Harry maybe can burn you, but we don't know. So well, not- yeah, well, I mean, we'll get into it about yeah. with some of Range 4 Harry's abilities, but right. yeah. Well, yeah. So anyway, Range 4 Harry walks up to Hall and puts a square device against his temple, which Hall says half half hypnotized him. <laughs> uh, like Hall still had to take orders. Uh, he was under their control, but he could remember what was happening to him. So they marched him out of the, out of his bunk and decided to put Hall in the petroleum oils and liquid shed, which is probably my favorite shed, <laughs> in case he panicked and what? all he could see was bare walls. Uh, the general says that they wanted to show them, quote unquote, the rest of the base. And then like a half hour later, Range 4 Harry takes uh, Hall back towards his bunk. But then Hall suddenly isn't hypnotized anymore. And he was going to call out for a, a bird colonel to help him. Uh, but he thought, again, the safest option was to just go back to his bunk and go to sleep. Man, <laughs> yet another fucking action packed thrill ride of an alien encounter. And what an ending! <laughs> oh man, he saw an alien. The alien hypnotized him and put him in a shed while it went and did other stuff. And then it came back and he went to sleep. Oh baby, sell that to Hollywood. That is what is. That's what I'm saying, Andy. That's what's missing from most TVs and movies: characters who make rational and often mundane choices. I mean, Charles Hall jumping out of bed, going on a sneak mission to like 
find out what happened to him, stalking the aliens, trying to break into the general's office to get info. It's fucking lame, dude. I don't want to watch a movie like that. No way. Character makes an interesting choice that puts them into a uncomfortable position where they have to go on a journey. Yeah, no, no way. Give me the safest and most logical option. Like being like, well, that was weird. I'm going to go back to sleep. Yeah. That's the right decision. Like, I don't know why in the matrix, why Neo wasn't just like, I'm not taking pills from a stranger. I'm going to go back to my comfortable office job. Oh, uh, no, thank you. A pill. Yeah. What's not happening, buddy. Thing? But there was some fun to be had. The tall whites also occasionally pranked Charles. Oh, oh. Charles apparently vomits a lot. <laughs> One of his things. One of his things. Like, that's his reaction to a lot of these freaky alien encounters. And the tall whites do tend to stalk and toy with servicemen, as we described. And they instill feelings of fear in people, which I guess leads to Charles Hall vomiting a lot. <laughs> the tall whites would make parachutes and weird plastic pieces follow him and float around the range. And made uh, this all made Charles very sick. <laughs> Just puking up a storm. Damn, what a Friggin' prank, dude. Oh, man. Oh, oh my, my God. Oh, my God, dude. Friggin' got him. I pull this prank all the time. Most of the time, I don't even got to do nothing. Just the sight of me alone is enough to make most people vomit. I don't even need a parachute. Jeez, Louise. Oh, they just puke. <laughs> so friggin' funny, dude. So friggin' funny. What a good friggin' prank. Uh, so besides Rage for Harry, Charles Hall had numerous encounters with other tall with another tall white named The Teacher. The teacher was a high-ranking tall white who was six feet tall. And from his interactions with her and range for Harry, he eventually learned, hey, these aliens ain't so different from us. The teacher's main job was to, well, teach the tall white children all she could about Earth. And so Charles kind of got roped into this as that, uh, you know, cut-in-half human body with detachable organs, which we all had in our high school biology class or in our bedroom closets. <laughs> Or that sleeps next to us at night. Yeah, we all had it. For example, one time Hall was out at range three looking through some kind of weather device, which we're going to call a weather scope, uh, to look at his weather balloon. And suddenly a tall white female came up behind him and leaned over his shoulder to look into the weather scope with a smile on her face. So Hall was like, eh, whatever, <laughs> and finished his work. And then, which again is pointless. And then when he was done, saw the tall white off a ways just standing there smiling at him. She was wearing a helmet and suit as well. And apparently she was floating and the suit gave her the power to levitate. The helmets, by the way, could link the thoughts of the tall whites with other helmet wearers. Charles Hall thought he was hallucinating. And as he repeats constantly throughout the film, walking with the tall whites uh, was having a brain malfunction. So he just started talking to the tall white female and asked her if she wanted to look at his weather scope again. That's kind of the end of that story, but uh, there's an interesting point here in that Charles frequently didn't believe what he was really seeing. He describes it in a very matter-of-fact way where he says, Hell, maybe my brain is just playing double tricks on me. I can't really be talking to a six-foot alien right now. This matter-of-factness about Charles often lends credence to his claims. Now, here's another teacher encounter. One day, the teacher's daughter, named, as we said earlier, the Butterfly, went missing near Range 1. And the base asked Charles to release weather balloons every hour from Range 1, which was unusual for Hall because there weren't really any planes out there that needed to have the weather measured for. But Hall believes that these orders actually came from the Pentagon. So he did them. Also, he 
kind of understands that his work is pointless at this point, <laughs> but uh, he did it anyway. It came from the Pentagon. Yeah. Then the balloons were used to help locate the lost girl so she could get through the sagebrush and find her way home. Eventually, through the use of the balloons, Hall was able to track down the location of the butterfly. And much like me at any party ever I've ever attended, mm -hmm. afterwards, Hall was like, all right, I'm done here. I'm a ghost. <laughs> I'm a ghost out of here. Just fucking say, just leave without saying goodbye. But the teacher and the butterfly were so grateful. They wanted to thank Charles Hall in person. But Hall was too freaked out by these tall, milky whites. So he rudely drove off in his truck without letting them thank him. At which point did he vomit in that story? <laughs> it's probably coming up. Mm -hmm. And now the generals, the earth generals were like, God damn it, Charles. <laughs> and the tall white leaders were like, come on, dude, just take our friggin' gratitude. I mean, Charles pissed off humans and aliens alike here. God damn. They picked the wrong guy for this job. Jeez Louise. So the next day they sent Hall out to range one again to launch some balloons. And then when he was finished, all the tall whites surrounded him and blocked off all of his exits. <laughs> <laughs> then a few different military generals showed up and decided to hypnotize Hall using the tall whites device. And then the teacher and her daughter thanked him. And then all the tall whites, except range Four Harry who chilled, you know, all the, all the whites left except for range Four Harry who chilled for a bit because at this point, him and Hall were kind of homies. Right. And um, uh, Range 4 Harry then made Hall sing a song and said, when the song is finished, you're done being hypnotized. And then uh, he left as well. And then Hall, when Hall was done singing the song, his hypnosis ended. From then on, Hall was known as Teacher's Pet by all the other tall whites. <laughs> nice, Charles. I used to be a teacher's pet, too. I would curl up in my AP history teacher, Mr. O'Hennessy's lap and say, I'm your widow kitty. Pet me. Meow, meow. <laughs> and he tried to push me off, but I would just shove my tiny pink butthole in his face. I transferred schools a lot. <laughs> you had some troubles as a youth. Couldn't stay in one place for too long. Yeah. Anywho, uh, one time, Hall asked the teacher why the tall whites would ever be afraid of a guy like him. I mean... Charles was a young serviceman, but these were alien beings with the power of hypnosis and lightning-quick reflexes. Well, she said because Earth is his planet and he knows how it works there, uh, they were not from here, so they were freaked out by everything. It was all so new. If Charles needed help, even with something trivial, he could ask another human. But them? They are very weak, and even a bumblebee sting could potentially be fatal. Yet, despite having saved the teacher's child and being the teacher's pet, the tall whites would not think twice about executing Hall if he somehow hurt one of the alien children. Here's an excerpt from Millennial Hospitality of a tall white mother talking to her son. All right, replied his mother. You may join the teacher's pet project. Remember, do not get too close to him. And remember, if anything ever goes wrong, if Charlie ever touches you, I will ask your Uncle Harry to kill him. <laughs> Jeez. Just when you thought you were getting chummy with these aliens, huh? Jeez, Louise. Jeez, man. Charles Hall just wants to pick up one of these little alien babies, bounce them on his knee a little bit. Yeah, they're going to murder him. I can murder him. Uh, here's another excerpt from Millennial Hospitality detailing how super serious the tall whites were about allowing Hall near their children and their plans. Then the guard said forcefully, you know that if anything goes wrong with this plan, we can kill you anytime we want to. Standing my ground, still shaking in fear, I replied, yes, but I haven't given you any reason to kill me. Anyway... You haven't killed me yet, so you are probably not going to. 
The guard smiled and replied, You are quite right. We could have killed you in the shack the other night if we wanted to. Then he turned and walked back to the uh, walked back to the procession. Stopping for a minute near the shorter woman, he said, See? Now he knows for sure that we will kill him if anything ever goes wrong. Oh, Charles. So how did Charles keep a level head when he's interacting with these aliens who flat out said they wouldn't think twice about vaporizing his ass if he ever so much as farted out of place? <laughs> Seriously, these guys are very skittish, aloof. Yeah. They're freaked out. Charles yeah. Hall rips a little toot. They think <laughs> it's a fucking <laughs> sign of aggression. Blast his head off. Yeah, not a good time to use your whoopee cushion, Charles Hall. That's right. Hall says he would sing Rick Nelson's It's Up to You to help calm himself whenever he felt scared encountering the tall whites. It's up. It's up. To you. To you. Because I've done everything I can. I hope. I hope. That you. That you. Will say that I'm your loving man. Make up. Make up. You're mine. You're mine. And do what you're gonna do. Well, you know how I feel, so I'm leaving it up to you. Up to you. <clears throat> Paul describes how it was always <laughs> tense meeting the tall whites because they were always fucking armed to the gills. <laughs> these guys were packing heat. Oh, baby. Were they I mean, ever? this guy's main job was to teach these aliens how human tech worked occasionally. I mean, also, yeah. he would do his weather balloons. Yeah. But so Hall would be sitting there trying to demonstrate how a friggin' diesel engine worked. Meanwhile, the tall whites are posted up at each door, armed with alien tech, ready to blast his nuts off as he so much as breathed the wrong way, and they took it as a threat. <laughs> I think you'd vomit too under that kind of pressure, Andy. I'd vomit for a lot of reasons. That's true. Mostly because you're like a dog and you eat things that you're not supposed to. <laughs> yeah, I eat too much grass and poop. <laughs> but eventually this nightmare did end for Charles Hall. As he eventually left the military, he met his wife, Marie Therese. And they got married after five months of dating and had a big family with six kids, Andy. Six wow, kids. Wow, Big family. Charles big. Hall's got some swimmers. Oh, baby. Big, beautiful family. Congrats. As we mentioned, Charles in secret began to write a book about his experience with the tall whites. He tried to cover it up from his wife, saying it was just his memoirs, but his wife encouraged him to publish it. And while Charles changed the human names in his book, he didn't change any of the tall whites' names in his books. Oh, because he figures if a tall white wanted to sue him, they would have to appear in court. And as he puts it, I win either way. But wait, there's more. We learned a few other random tidbits about the tall whites and other alien species from Charles encounters. Charles also encountered the classic gray aliens, uh, such as the one seen in Roswell. Uh, the grays arrived on Earth first out of all the alien species. Uh, the Greys think of this zone of the galaxy as their so-called homeland, and as long as nothing happens here that would threaten their children, then they don't really give a fuck. They're easygoing. Uh, the Greys, uh, the arrangement the Greys have with the U.S. is that they are allowed to abduct us for their human-alien hybrid programs in exchange for weaponry. So, I mean, the Greys are cool. Greys are cool, but they're also abducting us, but they're giving us badass weapons. Mm -hmm. So they're, and, you know. But they are splicing us with aliens. So that's yeah. cool. Mm -hmm. um, Charles also encountered an alien species called the Norwegians. Um, with 24 teeth. With 24 teeth. Is, <laughs> is with 24 teeth part of the name? I have no fucking clue. They have 24 teeth. We just got to, I mean, we have to separate it from the actual Norwegians. Yeah, the Norwe Yeah, it's weird that their names would be Norwegians because they're not. 
from Norway, probably. No. no. So the Norwegians with 24 teeth. They have 24 teeth. Uh, their home planet is likely closer by. They might be from a planet near Bernard's star, which is five and three quarters light years away. Uh, the Earth was a better place, uh, and they thought our sun was better, so that's why they came here. Uh, they come from a planet which is half iced over. Not sure which half. <laughs> um, this, their sun is a red star and would shoot massive flares, and then the Norwegians, with 24 teeth, would have to burrow underground to avoid the flares. So, hectic life. Uh, their tech just barely got them through space. So these poor Norwegians with 24 teeth, they're they're struggling. Yeah. It's a rough life. The tall whites, again, number one in tech. Yeah. And they won't share that shit with anybody. Right. They're coming the longest distance. Right. Very proprietary. Oh, yeah. Grays, middle, middle of the road. Doing well. Nothing wrong. Right. But Norwegians with 24 teeth, rough. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, the tall whites may have lost a war with the Anunnaki at one point. And we're not fond of the greys, according to Hall. I am quite certain that the tall whites and the short greys hate each other. I am quite certain that the tall whites would never permit the short greys to come anywhere near their base areas or near their housing areas or anywhere that their children might be playing, etc. Apparently, the teacher also made some comments to Hall regarding the tall white disdain for the greys. Yikes. Uh, hey, wow, maybe these aliens really are just like us. Yeah. <laughs> they hate other aliens. Yeah, like we cause other wars. People. Yeah. <laughs> well, what about the tall whites today? Are they still here? I mean, Charles hasn't seen them since 1967, but he believes that uh, they are still here and that other people have reported seeing them. In fact, Charles Hall put locations in his books, first published in 2002, before Google and Google Maps. So he put these locations slash coordinates in his books before, like, like before any realizing that there would be a future, a near future where you could search these locations on the Internet Mm -hmm. and pull up a map. Well, if you actually search Charles Hall's locations on Google Maps, you apparently can see white tic tac slash silo like shapes in the ground which are believed to be tall white scout crafts. So maybe they are still here. 2019 Pentagon UFO footage, which was footage of a UFO in 2004 and wouldn't be confirmed to be a UFO until 2019 when the footage was released. Well, according to Charles Hall, the ones with the white Tic Tac shapes were authentic tall white scout crafts. The tall whites just can't quit Earth, baby. Oh, baby. That or they accrued some massive gambling debts in Vegas. Oh, boy. Had to put their ships in Hawk. That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Rick Harrison's got, yeah. got a tall white ship in his pawn shop. I know. He's going to give you some lesser grade titanium. That's the best you can do. Yeah. <laughs> Let me call a buddy of mine who's an expert in intergalactic craft. <laughs> <laughs> Let me call Glipglorp. He's a buddy of mine. He's an <laughs> expert in uh, intergalactic craft. Well, I'd say this one is made of uh, <laughs> lighter titanium than <laughs> usual. You see, uh, the different grades of titanium have to do with the uh, oxidation process, you know. And so uh, the oxidation process there is, uh, you know. Uh, <laughs> longest episode of Pawn Stars in history. Yeah. Chumley has fully just fallen asleep. Just on the floor. Yeah, drool covered. <laughs> uh, as for the skeptics, well, they just kind of say, hey, this guy made all this shit up. I mean, he's originally, he literally said it was all fictional anyway. And that's that for them. I mean, yeah. yeah. Not much what there. else are you going to say? Yeah. 
But what do you say, dear bunkfunkers? Have you ever encountered an alien species? Have you ever seen a tall white out in the Mojave Desert? Perhaps, bunkfunkers, you haven't looked hard enough. Because just outside of Las Vegas, on a hot summer's day, there's a little shack. Is it reading the weather? Is it releasing balloons? No. But the two average whites there have made a deal with your mind tummies, and it benefits you the most. Let them make a pit stop in your mind tummy, and in return, they'll serve you up a heaping, helping, tall plate of the whole enchilada. Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time podcast will be right back after this brief message. Sure is chilly outside, Art. Andy, where's your jacket? Art, did you hear me? The wind chill is 30 below. Andy, I think you have hypothermia. You know, Art, with the horrific chilly weather outside, the only thing that'll warm me up is listening to Andy and Art Debunked, available only on patreon.com slash mrbunkerpod. Are you seriously shilling our Patreon right now? Oh, Art... Laughing at the antics of Andy and Art is all the warmth I need. And for just $5 a month, I get access to all the episodes of the show, behind-the-scenes updates, sneak peeks at episodes, and I can chat with Andy and Art on the Bunker Discord. Andy, we need to get you to a hospital. We need to get me to patreon.com slash mrbunkerpod. So shilly. Oh, God. I'm shilled to the bone. Welcome back, bunkfunkers. That was our research of the tall whites and tall Charles Hall and Range for Harry and the whole kit caboodle. The whole gang out God. there in the more heavy. <laughs> I fucking love this topic, man. I really do. This stuff is so fun. It's so yeah, it's a great topic. Stupid and fun. It's and funny. Just, it's just fun. It's fun for the whole Charles family. Hall, Charles Hall is the most fun, boring person that oh I've ever Oh, my God. He's so boring. Bunkfunkers, walking with the tall whites is so boring. It's so boring. I'm sorry. I don't want to make fun of this nice old man, but it's so boring. Yeah. It's so boring. He's just not a very engaging, like, presenter. And I mean, I get it. Like, this was probably just like a passion project for like a person who is really into his story. Yeah. But there's like barely any graphics or like artist renditions of the creature. It's just, it's mostly just Charles Hall talking to a camera. Yeah. And saying these stories, which, again, these stories end so anticlimactically with Charles being like, well, and then I decided to brush my teeth. Uh, of course, I use 25 seconds per quadrant of tooth and uh, floss. Oh, about six to seven feet of floss. You want to wrap it around your fingers, uh, you know, uh, so that uh, then you can get uh, ample... Uh, space to get in between your teeth and that way the floss isn't also sliding off your fingers you know so so uh, so wait let me get this straight it's like oh fuck he does a minute and a half per tooth 25 seconds what are you talking about you said 25 seconds per quadrant of tooth 
quadrant. Yeah, quarter of the mouth. Oh, quadrant of 25 mouth. seconds here, 25 seconds So it only here. does a minute and a half for the whole kitten. Okay. That, you should do two minutes for your whole two mouth. Two minutes, yeah. Yeah. Get an electric toothbrush. Yeah, 30 seconds each. Invest quadrant. in one. 30 seconds. Invest in one. It's good yeah, for you. I do have one. Good. I have an Oral-B Pro. Mm. 1,000. Uh, I'm a Sonicare guy. Yeah, so. I like Oral-B. So, there we go. Uh, agree to disagree, but yeah, I guess uh, so. And then he also uses six to seven feet of floss. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right, fine. The, 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 thing, the tall white thing was his floss. <laughs> six feet tall, white string of floss. Oh my god, he's just so, you know, and and, and a lot of his stories do make him kind of the hero, where it's like a lot. There's yeah. a lot more Charles Hall story. I mean, there's so many more stories. We only picked. Cherry picked a few. I mean, there's right. so many. Where it's like, because of his, just like his, he's just the best guy for the job. He's the most noble and the most um, just kind of level-headed, even though he vomits a lot. Yeah. Yeah, no, his, I mean, a lot of these stories are kind of congratulatory to him, where it's like, yeah. Charles, you are the paragon of calmness and level-headedness. Everybody else freaks out when they see this, these creatures out on yeah. the range, but yeah. you don't. Right. It's like that. It's that. It's that kind of stuff. Yeah. Where it's like, yeah. But then, yeah. I mean, like his stories, though, it does seem like he's afraid. Right. He's clearly freaked out by this stuff. I mean, he he says brain mal brain malfunction. My, my brain having a malfunction here. Like his brain is malfunctioning. He thinks uh, there's just no way I'm seeing what I'm seeing. Yeah. But that's why a lot of people kind of believe this guy because he's got a Bob Lazar energy. <laughs> yeah. Where it's like, why yeah. would this dude publish this these stories? Why would he bring, put this his name on this? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, he does have kind of a Bob Lazar energy where it, it feels more credible. Mm -hmm. um, like I'm trying to think of a person who's like really not credible at all, um, but it's not coming to me. You know, but like Charles Hall comes off as like, you know, it's like, okay, I guess like speaking of Bob Lazar, like Jeremy Kenyon Lockyer Corbell. Right. Really seems about sensationalizing Bob Lazar's stories. And weaponizing your curiosity. Right. Weaponizing Bob Lazar's stories Whereas, to sensationalize our genitals. <laughs> uh, and Whereas Charles Hall is maybe more about like... Uh, He's more like weather ballooning his uh, curiosity. Like he's just sort of lofting it up there and seeing what happens. Um, you know, but he does have, he does have kind of a Bob Lazar energy. I don't feel like he comes off as, I mean, I know we talked about this and I know that ultimately I, I didn't find Bob Lazar to be like super credible, but right. like if you at first blush, Bob Lazar you made me it. feel yes. like, Oh my God. This guy's got his hooks in me. Right. Like, I'm believing Bob Lazar. You're believe you're a Bob Lever. I was a Bob Lever. I don't think there's any point where I was like, oh, Charles Hall is totally telling the truth right. about this. Right. You know, like it never, right. you know, it's like it never, it never rose to that level where it's like, this is so believable that, but at the same time, his demeanor isn't such that you're like, I clearly don't believe this guy at all. Yeah, people use that argument all the time where it's like, He's not making any money off this, but it's like, well, he put out a book series. Like, like, yeah, I mean, if you say, if he's not making any money out of it, it's just because nobody bought the book, which, I mean, is probably why he changed it to a true story. Because yeah, maybe. Because like, people were like, oh, this, 
you wrote a fictional story where all you did was go to sleep after you saw an alien. Like, it's not very interesting. And he was like, characters should make smart decisions, not <laughs> rational not decisions and get themselves injured. Right. Uh, so then he was like, no, never mind. It's true. Like Luke Skywalker should have stayed on Tatooine with his dad, uncle and aunt. And just, he should have taken over the family farm. Right. And that's what he should have done. And then that's a smart, much smarter decision than following some weird old man who says he knew his father. And then in Empire, he should have immediately listened to Yoda and stayed on uh on uh Yavin. On uh D- Dagobah. Dagobah, thank you. I was gonna say Dantooine, but I knew that wasn't right. Uh so many fucking planets in that yeah, galaxy. Kashyyyk, Hoth, what the yeah. fuck? So he should have stayed Naboo. on Dagobah with Yoda and finished his training. You know, that would have made a less interesting movie because then Return of the Jedi would have just been a training montage. But according to Charles Hall, it would have been a much better story. Yeah. Much smarter, better story. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe for the next three Star Wars movies, they should get Charles Hall to write Rocky the should have never fought Apollo Creed. What's he doing trying to take on a champ boxer? He couldn't, he couldn't win that fight. He's an amateur. Yeah, he's an amateur. So stupid. He should have just asked Adrian out on a nice date and he didn't need to prove anything to her or do anything else. He didn't need to eat raw eggs. We could have gotten salmonella. Yeah. If uh And if, why is he punching frozen meat? I mean, that is unsanitary. Unsanitary. That's that's not just bad for his hands, that's bad for people who are eating at that restaurant or in that butcher shop. Frodo should have never followed Gandalf. That's a what a crazy thing to do. Take a ring to a mountain that's engulfed in flame and going on oof. no thank you, you nutty i mean if, stay uh, in the shire and let sam should have never would have never asked out the love of his life yeah frodo yeah frodo yeah they were lovers by the end uh if charles hall had written independence day the uh world governments would have just acquiesced instantly to the alien invasion yes <laughs> just given up completely surrendered mm-hmm. Allowed them to run our governments. And they would have never used an Apple Mac 2 to hack an alien spaceship. No, they would never have done that. No. And they also wouldn't have gotten uh, Randy Quaid to fly an eight, uh, uh, a fighter jet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a lot of these movies are just stupid, unbelievable. I can't suspend my disbelief for even a moment to believe any of that stuff. No. <laughs> Nobody vomits in these movies either. No, where's all the vomiting? People... Why isn't Frodo vomiting? When he sees the spider... <laughs> He should immediately vomit. What's the spider's name? Shelob, I think. Shelob? Shelob, I think. Do they encounter the spider? That starts with an A. Or is that Harry Potter? Uh, I don't know Harry Potter lore. I think Harry Potter's spider starts with an A. Okay. Well, when those spiders... Well, anyway, when the ring wraiths <laughs> and the Nazgul's... The Nazgul's. The Nazgul. Give me that gaba Nazgul! Carmela, where's the good Nazgul? At the deli in Mordor. In the deli in Mordor. Oh, oh. Give me some Mordor Della. Oh, give me Nazgul. Deli Nazgabagul. Uh, um, yeah, take a cherry pepper ring relish. A <laughs> little bit of ISOR on it, I'll be good. <laughs> I don't know. I was trying to think of one, but I can't. Uh, yeah, I take a little of that brandy wine vinegar. Uh, that one's a that's a good reference. Longfunkers, if you got that one, uh, tweet at us. The hashtag brandy wine vinegar. Um, 
What the fuck were we saying? We were talking about Charles Hall being boring, but then oh, like, right. helping support his claims, but then saying that none of the stories are very interesting. Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah and then these stories are very interesting. So it's it's just, yeah, I don't. I this don't suffers from a lot of the things that I think you and I get annoyed by with extraterrestrial stories, too. Yeah. How it's just a bunch of, it's it's very humanoid traits that all these aliens have. It's like. They look like humans, but just a yeah. little bit weird. They all look like Anna Taylor Joy. We get it, right? Yeah, their fucking eyes on the sides of their heads. I mean, it's like what? leave her alone. It's like I mean, <laughs> I'm not expecting this from Charles Hall. Like knowing the rest of the story, like I'm not expecting him to be very creative and coming up with an alien. <sighs> Poor guy. But like you know, come up with some weird extraterrestrials that visit Earth. I know. Um, this does very much though fall in line with kind of the uh, kind of overall, I guess, narrative. And yeah, the the zeitgeist about aliens, which I kind of love and I'm really getting into and that like even X-Files plays into, which is that like the aliens, the greys have this deal with the U.S. government, the shadow government and other pieces of the government to willfully abduct us to experiment on us and create alien human hybrids in exchange for something. And that the tall whites are all a part of this. There's the Norwegians. Um it's very fun. I mean, I really, I find it so fucking fun. Yeah, there's but a whole, yeah. yeah, there's a whole like lore around it that we have yet to cover. Yeah, we've never uh, covered the grays. Be, what would be good fodder? It's a big topic for this. It's, it is a big maybe, topic. Maybe for the two year topic. Alien lore. Um, but yeah, it is very interesting that there's all these backstories for all these extraterrestrial races. Um, Charles Hall certainly didn't like it didn't add a lot to the lore the tall whites frankly yeah I don't know how you feel but it's like you know earth is a pit stop the tall whites only get they get they they only do deals that are beneficial to them it's like Oh, okay. So they win in every scenario. Like, <laughs> they're kind of, they're a little boring. They kind of look like David Bowie's, I guess. Like yeah. they're just kind of tall and they're pure white and uh, they're really smart and they have claws and also lasers and voice boxes and they can hypnotize. And it's just kind of like, all right. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. They're fun. Like, in, you know, I mean, again, it's like, it's very fun talking about these his stories because they end in such anticlimactic ways and stuff. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, I, a, do I want to meet a tall white? I don't really care. No, I'll beat the shit out of a tall white. Just get the fuck out of my face. I so mean, arrogant. They can so make aloof. Me, they just, can make me vomit. Fine, that'd yeah. be good. These tall that. whites are just a bunch of Karens, dude. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're the. Maybe we didn't mention this enough in the script. But they can be very arrogant. Yeah, they're so much smarter than us. They definitely look down on us. Yeah, yeah. It's like fuck you, dude. That's why they like to prank us. Fuck you, dude. Yeah. Fuck, come at me, tall white. A fucking. I can shoot you with a gun. You can't outrun a fucking bullet. Yeah, you're 35 miles an hour. My bullet go fast. Paper thin fucking skin and organs. Yeah. Shit. We'll have an old West standoff out there and then we'll have a fucking duke it out here, tall white. Yeah. What? Oh, don't come at me, tall white. There's a uh, Vanna White. Vanna White. Is Vanna White a tall white? Yeah, I guess so. Her Pat Sajak a thing? She's single? No, I don't think so. Huh. I don't think they've ever been in relationship but written her a lot of letters i know you've thought about her and pat sajak a lot <laughs> i'd like to solve the puzzle to unlocking her heart yeah <laughs> um i'm going to 
Uh, oh, don't I, act like you haven't Googled as Pat Sajak and Vanna White fucking. I'm, <laughs> I'm Pat gonna, Sajak is with Vanna White, right? Yeah, I mean they're that's the duo for yeah, Wheel of Fortune. Yeah, they're the. I mean they are the pair on there. She's uh, she was previously married to a, jo- a guy named George Santo Pietro. Okay, from 1990 to 2002. Uh, Pat Sajak's been married to Leslie Brown since 1989. Wow. A long marriage in showbiz. That doesn't happen often. Yeah. Um, but uh, what were we talking about? Oh, I was going to say uh, my my uh, when I was a kid Vanna White, probably my first celebrity crush. Wow. That's a true story. Used to love watching Wheel of Fortune. You should spin your wheel, huh? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Rev my engines. The answer, make you a little bankrupt in the in the balls, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> the answer, the answer to the puzzle, hard things was my penis. <laughs> I'd like to buy a vowel. <laughs> penis. I'd like to solve the puzzle, please. Um, and it was my obvious, penis. Like my whole family would make fun of me because it's like when Wheel of Fortune would come on, I would like stop doing everything and just like stare at the TV. Yeah. Oh, there's Andy again licking the TV. Get quit looking the TV, boy. Look at the TV. Penis stuffed in the VCR again. Jesus. Penis stuffed in the VCR. That boy ain't right. <laughs> uh, true story. I did urinate in our VCR once. What? Why? I I don't know. But that's I not how it. those work, Andy. <laughs> they work. It didn't work after that. That's for sure. Oh, Had to go to the repair shop. I mean, you want to talk about a different time. The VCR was so expensive. You took it to a repair shop. I know. That's that could have been a piece of tall white tech right there. Who knows? Maybe they the gave guy us, at the they repair. Said, the guy at the repair shop asked just to, always used to ask my dad, "What did he do this time?" Are you serious? Yeah, because I used to shove toys in there. And what I the put- fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> I never did this. I never once thought to shove things in the VCR. Well, you're not a visionary. <laughs> You are a troubled child. <laughs> just like you just see something, you're just like, I want to put some in there. I don't want to know what the fuck you did with pencil sharpeners. <laughs> I'm a troubled adult. Why do you think I don't have a foreskin anymore? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> oh! <laughs> I think it's because I've told this story before. When I was a child. I stuck a fork in an outlet socket, and I think I never stuck anything in anything ever again. See, you had a traumatic experience. I stuck everything in everything and never had a bad time. Well, that's why I'm a virgin, and you have herpes. <laughs> and his piece. Yeah. <laughs> um, tall whites, man. What else can be said about these fucking tall whites, you know? Uh, yeah, it doesn't really jive with how we feel. About aliens, what we like about aliens. You know yeah. those bunk fuckers. We still like to have fun, though. It's still fun. Yeah, we still like that. We can enjoy the stories even if we think that the aliens themselves are dog shit trash. And <laughs> how we feel about the tall whites. No, it's just, we always talk about this. It's like we don't want to disparage, you know, of Charles Hall and his tall white story because we do enjoy it. But at the same time, these aliens just aren't very interesting. No. There's a, uh, there's an arc, a small arc on X Files where um, this, like, it's an alien that is has crash landed on Earth, and it um, it doesn't necessarily have a corporeal form, but it has like injected itself into uh, 
like an oil spill, like a small puddle of oil. Mm. And so it just kind of like has taken the shape of like an uh, sludge, yeah. like an oil sludge. And then it will like ingest itself into humans and be able to take over their brain and stuff. That's cool. It's cool. It's a very fun story arc. Right. And it's a lot fucking doper than a bunch of aliens playing dress up going. I mean, a bunch of aliens playing dress up and going to Vegas is something that we would write. I'm not yeah. saying that we're smart enough to write something cool. No, no. And and but but the reason that we wrote it would be a different reason than Charles Hall yes. wrote this. It's not to like maybe prove extraterrestrials are real. Right. Like represent this as being like a thing that extraterrestrials would do. It would be like, oh, that's funny. It would be because it's yeah. funny. Yeah. Them it dressing up funny. and going to gamble. Yes. How did they get Earth money? I don't know. I guess the Earth, I guess the generals gave, gave them, them an cash. allowance. The generals, generals give them cash. And then like a fucking tour bus pulls up and they all get off and yeah. they're like dressed all like tourists and they're all goofy looking. Yeah. Like, like walking around. Yeah, anybody who's ever seen like a group of tourists knows like when yeah. you when you're from a place like we're from Chicago where there's lots of tourists, you just get like. Anybody could walk off a tour bus and you wouldn't be like, that's weird. You'd be like, oh, tourists. It is weird, though. Yeah, when you live in a place that's a tourist hotspot, how you can just pick them out. You just can. Yeah. I don't know what it is about being tourists. It's just, I guess it's just the way you walk. You just, you have a sense of direction. Like, I know, like, I know where I'm going. I know where I'm at. I know these landmarks. I've seen this shit a million times. Like, yeah, I'm not I'm going to the Jimmy John's. Anything. I'm getting my number five, no onions. Or I do enjoy their Cubano. Decent. It's not good, but it's not bad, I guess. Mm. Pickles and ham. Yeah. Jeez. There's no mustard. There's no roast pork on it? No, there's no roast pork on it. No. It's not Jimmy really, John's. Not really a Cubano then, Jimmy. Yeah, I guess not really, but it's got some of the stuff of a Cubano. Mm. Anyway, then you walk back. You just kind of walk with this purpose, but maybe tourists, they're kind of like clumped together and they're kind of like, Ooh. You know, I have to say, I come off very much as a local. So many, so many people ask me for directions, even when you're in places where you're not supposed to be. Uh, it's happened before where I'm like not really sure where I am, and someone will ask me for directions. Like I think I come off as like I know what I'm doing, which is weird because I'm very approachable. Rare. You have a very, you have a very Charles Hall. I think you and Charles Hall would be very similar, but you would have gotten yourself killed easily because you would have made some <laughs> off color comment or done something aggressive, <laughs> like you would have. <laughs> yeah, you would have done your little thing like that, and they would have been like, pew, 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 pew. "Yeah, yeah." There's no way I would have survived. I'm not as mundane as him. No, or I would have been like out in the desert shouting, and they would have been like, "What the fuck is this?" And then just shoot me. But you have a very bunkfuckers. Andy has an incredibly approachable, non-threatening until you get to know him uh, <laughs> demeanor and appearance to him. Yeah, no, I don't. It's obvious from looking at me that I can't do you any physical harm. <laughs> Um, but then once you get to know me, it's clear that I'm a psychopath and that <laughs> I will easily engage in emotional, uh, scarring of you. Yeah. Oh, good Lord. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know, Andy. Uh, I don't know what else to say about tall whites. Yeah. Do you have a favorite story? Do you have a favorite, uh, encounter with them? The shed is my favorite. It's so fucking weird because right? it's like. There's so much about it. Like he heard a noise that he thought was the general. And it's like, 
how would you like why would you assume it's, it's so a general boring it's just like why like why wouldn't you make up something fun like why did they wake you up and bring you to a different location just to leave you there and bring you back? Yeah, they could have just done this while you were asleep, and they knew you were asleep at that point, so they didn't have to wake you up. And why him? Why? Where were all the other people? Yeah, yeah. And then in, in, in the petroleum oils shed. <laughs> the liquid shed. Fucking stare at this wall and think about what you've done, Charles Hall. Well, okay, then I guess I'll think about what I've done. First I woke up in the morning, I was all 500. <laughs> And why did they hypnotize him? Like, he's so trustworthy, yet they had to hypnotize him to get him to do that. They couldn't have just said, you need to go in the shed and stay there until we come back and get you. I like the story. My favorite is still the story where Range 4 Harry and him communicate via body language that they both <laughs> don't know what the tall white female wanted or what she was doing out there. Yeah. And I like that Charles Hall is like, he communicated with body language. I knew. Maybe Range for Harry was saying something totally different. Like maybe Range for Harry was saying something like, "Watch your fucking back, dude." Yeah, or I'm horny, dude. I want to have sex with you. I've been pursuing you. Charles, I was like, ah, he's telling me that he doesn't know what she was doing out here. Yeah. Then he went and read a book. Yeah. <laughs> then he went and read a book. <laughs> Charles Hall would have been like, yeah. And then they uh, they took me into another room and uh. You know, they took my pants. At first, they took my belt off. And, uh, you know, that was my nice corded belt, a uh, corded genuine leather belt. Then they took my khakis off. My khakis, of course, waist size 34, length 30, a standard khaki pants. They took those off, removed my uh, tidy, my tight white underwear and the jock strap that I wear routinely. Lucky jock strap, of course. Uh, then they proceeded to. Put a uh, uh, look, what looked like, you know, kind of a ski pole type object up my anus. <laughs> they repeatedly shoved this tool into my anus. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, and uh, then they took what looked like an ice cream scooper and cupped my testicles. They cupped them and served them in the bowl. And uh, while it was uncomfortable afterwards, I just decided, you know, I'll just listen to some Enya and just relax and go <laughs> take a nap. <laughs> Shoved it into my anus. <laughs> That's Charles Hall being probed by the gray aliens. Yeah. Afterwards, he's just like, ah, fuck it. <laughs> oh, Charles Hall. What a man. What a legend. Then they took out one of those novelty hand clappers. You might have been able to buy them at Chuck E. Cheese's for, oh, I would say, you know, 10 to 20 tickets. These are a uh, plastic handle. There's a, a hand on one end, a hand on the other, and then a harder plastic hand in the middle. When you shake them back and forth, they create a loud clapping noise. They took them and uh, placed them under my uh, breasts and uh, flapped my titties. <laughs> <laughs> I can't get through it. So stupid. They uh, flapped my titties back and forth. While what making a sound that sounded like giggling <laughs> before again probing my anus. Oh. 
So I just decided, you know, I'll have a bowl of oatmeal plain and then uh, go take a nap. <laughs> what are the chances that we could get Charles Hall to read, uh, do like an audiobook of erotic? Like, yeah, just like erotica, any erotica or like action suspense, <laughs> like a Tom Clancy book. He has this incredible ability where he's just like, he's just talking and talking and talking. And it's like, what is the point of what you're saying? You can tell he's that so Wisconsin. He's you can tell even when Wisconsin. he gets like amused by stuff, it's so it's like yeah. such mundane stuff that he gets amused by. Yeah, like the fact that she thought it was amusing. Her name was the butterfly because they didn't have any butterflies on her planet. It's like that's not even mildly amusing. If you're amused by that, fuck you. <laughs> oh God, Charles, you poor poor old man. Aha. Uh-huh. You gave me a nickname that doesn't correspond to a physical object on my home world. What an amusing situation. <laughs> oh, God. All right, Andy, let's get in some verdicts here. I think right. I think we're ready. Yeah, we've milked. We've milked these tall, milky aliens for all we can. We've milked these like those aliens milked Charles Hall's prostate. They uh, they took what looked like a uh, large novelty foam finger, uh, shrunk it down using <laughs> a small device, you know, like a box, a uh, small speaker-looking device, shrunk it down, shoved it into my anus, uh, <laughs> touched my my male G spot, and I uh, I cummed uh, quite a lot. <laughs> they collected the cum in what looked like a Novelty. Uh, Everything's novelty. <laughs> these, clearly, these whites went to Chuck E. Cheese while they were in <laughs> Vegas. <laughs> they weren't gambling. They were going to David Buster's. <laughs> I collected my calm in a novelty uh, beer helmet where <laughs> you have two beer cans. <laughs> and then... Okay, then they put the helmet on and they drank his cum or something. I don't know. Then one put the helmet on its head. Uh, It inserted the tubes into its mouth. (laughs) And then it proceeded to guzzle my cum. (laughs) (laughs) Then they, uh, you know, gave him the nickname Cum Guzzler. (laughs) <laughs> Which was amusing to them because they do not have cum guzzlers on their planet. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Andy, we want to go first. You want me to go first? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll go first. Yeah, go first. Uh, wow, bunk bunkers! Uh, I'm going to surprise you with this one. I think. Uh, case closed. <laughs> I ain't buying these tall whites. I mean, um, like in all seriousness, as much fun as it is, like. Uh, these uh these these there's very little there's no evidence for these extraterrestrials no. like there's even less evidence than like Bob Lazar um <laughs> like it seems pretty clear to me in my estimation that Charles Hall was doing this weather job uh which is probably why he has this like intimate knowledge of the desert out there that part's probably real yeah uh and while he's out there in these weather shacks all by himself alone in the desert for months at a time he probably started thinking up some stories and stuff and 
you know, he thought, oh, this could be a good book without realizing that, you know, he's not a very good writer because he doesn't have any sense of like action or suspense. Um, and so then he came back, you know, when he was done with the service is like, what does he do now? Maybe I'll write these books. Well, he put out the books. Nobody gave a shit. Yeah. So he's like, actually, they're true. <laughs> it's not fiction at all. Right. Uh, so that's my feeling. Case closed. Yeah. I mean, uh, I'm going to echo uh, Andy's uh, verdict here. Also, case closed on my end, although a lot of fun. Uh, a lot of fun <laughs> to be had here, Bunk Funkers. But yeah. uh, those are our verdicts. Let us know what you think. What do you make of these tall whites? Um, <laughs> I mean, what's the hashtag here, Andy? Um, what is the hashtag here? Um, uh, tall Betty White. That's fun. Okay, let's just do that. Tall Betty White. Tall. That's Betty like White. that's like a Wheel of Fortune puzzle. That before is and after. Um, tall Betty White. Not. Let us know what you think about Never the tall mind. white aliens in Charles Hall. Um, as always, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Mr. Bunker Pod. Find us on YouTube by Ack. YouTube searching or you, Ack. or you can find us on uh, uh, Kathy uh, Geithweist's uh, oh. social media uh, platform uh, at Mr. Bunker Pod. That famous that famous newspaper comic, yeah, so, turned social media mogul, Kathy. social media platform, Kathy. Uh, you can find us at <laughs> Mr. Bunker Pod. You can find us on YouTube by YouTube searching Mr. Bunker. Uh, got a lot of great videos on there. And you can always email us, mrbunkerpod at gmail.com. Or if you feel so inclined and want a little extra, Mr. Bunker Action, you can get access to our Patreon only show every month. New episode of Andy and Art Debunked by uh, donating on the Patreon, patreon.com slash Mr. Bunker Pod. Boy, Andy. Well, we have to take off here, Andy. Yeah, we have to get in our little tic tac, little tic tac, and we got to shoot off. We got to shoot off into space. Shoot off into space, where you know we will make people vomit, and <laughs> then they'll go to sleep. That's right. And we're gonna establish little pit stops. Yeah, space. We're gonna be space truckers. <laughs> <laughs> so for not the titular Mister Bunker before my pentacle. Yeah, sure. Oh, no. Oh, oh. Peduncle. Peduncle? Peduncle. Peduncle? Peduncle. Peduncle? Peduncle. Co-host Andy Hart. <laughs> I'm Art Stone saying that was the whole enchilada. Peduncle. <laughs> Hi, this is comedian and writer, and let's be honest, I do a lot of things. This is Dean Archipotus, the host of Whiskey Business, the podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. Yes, we drink and talk about whiskey, but we do so much more with so many interesting people. For example, we talk to comedians like Greg Warren. You know, I don't want to brag, but let's just say I can walk into a Red Lobster and get whatever. 
You know, I think the pause right there is probably more important than the word. Amazing athletes like boxing champion Buster Douglas. When a fighter's down and he's looking for his mouthpiece instead of trying to get up. That's when I knew it was over. Yeah, yeah, right? And yes, Bigfoot chasers. Do you believe in Bigfoot? And if so, does he really eat beef jerky? <laughs> the Bigfoot thing is people have seen these, and, and I've seen a lot of compelling evidence about it. It's Whiskey Business with Dino Tripodis. Join us for what we call a good conversation with a good pour. You really can't ask for much more than that, can you, people? Check us out at whiskeybusinesspod.com, a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network.